Greetings, adventure. This is D20 Academy. I'm your host, Shalo Kanishiro, and welcome to episode 3, Behind the Screen. Alright, behind the screen. What exactly do I mean by that? Well, today, I'm just going to give a brief explanation of what the screen is. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, maybe you don't. And also the role of a dungeon master, their purpose, and what they do in a game. So the screen. Maybe you've heard of this term before in Dungeons and Dragons or other role-playing games, or maybe you just know it by what it looks like. If you've seen any pictures of people playing the game, maybe on some sort of pop culture reference like The Big Bang Theory or Stranger Things, or you just see people playing it on a show, it is the multi-sided divider uh, that the Dungeon Master puts in front of them to kind of su- section them off from the players. Um, it's usually about four panels and about a foot or so high, and it has a couple of different things uh, and different roles and purposes. But, <clears throat> I, although I won't be talking too much about the screen uh, today. Maybe I'll get more in-depth into it later. It's not a super big part of the game. Um, what is important, though, is that behind the screen, what that means. So, behind the screen refers to the dungeon master. And in front of the screen refers to players. Um, so that's just a little terminology for you. Um, so that means today I will be talking about the dungeon master way more in-depth uh, than I have before. I mentioned it a little bit last episode. But just real quick, uh, let's talk about the screen. So, the screen, once again, has four panels, typically on the side facing the players. Um, That refers to... Sorry. um, That usually has art or some kind of imagery on it. Um, This is... Has no purpose but to, you know, look cool. In the one that, like the classic Dungeon Master screen for 5th edition, it's a picture of a couple of adventures fighting a dragon uh, in his treasure hoard. But there's tons of different screens out there. You can draw your own on it if you want. Uh, There's multiple ways to make a screen or buy a screen. Um, And it's not required to play either. But on the other side of the screen, on the four panels, are typically rules reference things or notes the Dungeon Master has quick access to. Um, So they can just look at quickly look at the screen if they need a quick reference to some rule or something that comes up a lot. And this varies on what goes on this side, depending on who you ask and depending on which screen you've bought. Um, For for the first uh, few months that I played the game, I just had one out of cardboard. I just made one out of cardboard and didn't put art on the other side or any information on the inside uh, because all that stuff is not technically needed. But I did, and I uh, buy the, like, original one for 5th edition, and I still own and use that one. Uh, The information on the inside for the Dungeon Master is not ideal on that one. Um, I've had to edit and mark up and cover up things with paper um, so that I would actually have information that I do need. And I do want to get uh, more into what you should put on that side of the screen. I'll probably dedicate a whole episode to that um, because I think that can be really useful and really help streamline uh, your playing as a Dungeon Master and make it easier for you so you don't have to memorize all these things. But the purpose of the screen uh, has a couple purposes. One is to uh, distinctly uh, 
mark off the zone of the Dungeon Master and that of the players. Um, they have very different roles in the game. Where the player characters, right, the players, um, all, yes, they're playing different characters, they'll play the game the same. Everything they do is just controlling one character and controlling their actions and what they say. Whereas the Dungeon Master explains the environment, uh, acts as characters that the players meet, uh, acts as monsters, is in control of the music if you're using that, or in control of you know any of the other variables in the game. And so it's just kind of meant to... One of the, the purposes of it is to kind of sanction off, okay, this is the zone of the Dungeon Master, and this is that of the players. Um, back in older editions and kind of older times, it actually used to be massive, really, really tall, so you couldn't even see the Dungeon Master, or there'd be some sort of veil uh, blocking off the Dungeon Master from the players. And that was sort of to give this uh, this idea of like an omnipresent voice, uh, like a god or something controlling the world, or like a narrator. Um, but I think a lot of people find that uh, weird. And personally, I don't like it. I like to have eye-to-eye -eye contact with the players if, you know, I'm acting as an NPC, uh, which stands for non-player character, and talking to them, or I like to see their reactions to things. So that is not how it works anymore. Um, you can try that if you want. I've never actually done that before. It sounds kind of weird and exciting, but... Uh, yeah, so it is used to just kind of section off, okay, this is the Dungeon Master, this is where the players are. Um, but also, it is used as a something to obstruct vision, because the Dungeon Master may not want players to see everything behind the screen. If they're holding, a, you know, if they have behind the screen all their notes and their monster stats... If the players can see, oh wait, look, in his stack he has a monster stat of an owl bear or something. We must be fighting that soon. Or, you know, if the Dungeon Master has all these notes of a city or something that the players are in right now, they can just look over at the notes and be learning things and cheating, I guess. So it is a way to obstruct vision um, so that the players can't really see. And obviously to obstruct vision on rolls. I do want to do a whole episode on this later, um, but it's called fudging roll when... You roll a dice, but then say the outcome is different. Players obviously can't do this because they're rolling in front of everyone, and everyone can see what they roll. But nobody but the Dungeon Master sees what uh, he or her rolls because they're rolling behind the screen, and the screen obstructs the vision of the players. And so the Dungeon Master might roll something, but then say it's something else. Um, some people are okay with doing this. Some people hate uh, when Dungeon Master's fudge rolls. It's kind of an eternal argument. And I think there's arguments for both sides. I personally uh, do fudge rolls sometimes, and I'll explain why uh, in the episode I do about it. But that's kind of the purpose of the screen. So if you're wondering what that weird wall thing is, or if you've heard the term screen before, it refers to that uh, four-paneled uh, obstruction between the Dungeon Master and the players. Once again, it is not required. And definitely when it comes to fudging rolls, a lot of people don't like that, so you might just not have it so the Dungeon Master can roll in front of everyone. Um, you know, it can add stakes and it can add realism to the game. So, that's what the screen is. Now let's talk about what's behind the screen, which is the Dungeon Master and all their stuff. Now, everyone's going to have a different setup behind the screen. Uh, for some people, they love physical things, so they'll probably have a fat binder with all these kind of papers, and they've done a little planning, and they have all these reference things and monster sets in the binder or some kind of folder. 
Um, I am much more of a digital person. I love typing way more of our physical writing. So all my planning and most of everything that I use on Dungeons & Dragons is in my Google Drive. Um, so I have my laptop computer behind the screen as well. That takes up like 50%. I put it on the left so I can be looking at all my tabs, all my different documents. Um, and I also, excuse me, I also do have a binder there, a physical binder. I don't have a ton of planning or anything in there, but I do have a piece of paper uh, where I can track if during battle initiative and uh, health and all these different kind of things, which I might get into later, into a, in a later episode. Um, but also, if I need to be taking notes of something real quick, I take it on the physical paper and I don't type it down. It's a little awkward the way I've placed my setup. And then to my side, I have a small piano bench that I put to my left. And there I put all the books I need. So the monster manual, the DMs get all that kind of thing. Ready access. And on the other side of that, I put all my dice and my dice tin. And that's where I roll. Because I, my table is a little small, so I can't hold all this stuff just on the table. So I put some of it on this piano stool. But either way, uh, anyone, people have different setups. And maybe I'll get into that later. Um, but that is the stuff that's behind the screen. But the most important thing behind the screen is, of course, the person, which is the Dungeon Master. Uh, what is a Dungeon Master? Uh, what do they do? And should you be a Dungeon Master? Um, or should you be a player? Well, the Dungeon Master is kind of the... They run the game. They're the master of the game. Now, if you're a little confused about how role-playing games work and how D&D works how you play the game. Uh, I know for me and for a lot of people that I'm trying to explain the game to, uh, when they hear about it, it can be really confusing. And so, once again, I do think that it's really hard to explain that to someone um, in words or through talking. So I think the best way to do it is either to play the game or to watch people play the game. So I don't want to get too in-depth today about like all the things the Dungeon Master does and how it works. Um, I think if you just go out and watch people play the game, on YouTube or an LGS or oh, that's a local game store, or um, you know if you go out and play the game, if someone invites you over uh, and they're the dungeon master and you watch them, that's how it works. But basically, the dungeon master is the person who runs the game. They uh, explain the environment, they run the story, they control all the characters who aren't the players, all the characters they meet, all the monsters they fight, um, all that kind of thing. Um, for me also, I use music in my games. I find it's really immersive and it really adds to uh, the mood of the game. And of course, I'll be running that on my laptop, just playing it out of my laptop because that's right there in front of me. Um, so I'm also controlling the music. Uh, I'm controlling a couple other things. Um, but the D Dungeon Master's Guide uh, breaks Dungeon Master uh, into having three... Uh, specific roles, and those are Master of Worlds, Master of Adventures, and Master of Rules. Now, some of those may sound kind of scary or really intense, and immediately you may think, okay, yeah, I can't be a Dungeon Master, that sounds crazy. But let me break those down a little bit more, and why it's actually not really insane or really, really crazy. Um, so first one, Master of Worlds. That just means you have to be familiar with the world you're playing in. Now, I really do want to do a whole episode on this, 
because uh, it's something that's really important to me, and that is what deters a lot of dungeon masters. Um, but about the world you're playing in, you do not have to create a new world from scratch. Okay, that is what I did when I started. Um, I wish I didn't. It takes a lot of work. Um, could have been using those hours instead to be planning for more important things like characters and the, the adventures and the stories and how to weave the plots together way better. Um, but I was a foolish little lad, and I actually created a whole world from scratch. Um, once again, you can totally do this if you want. Uh, world building is, like, really fun. I, I, do, I do definitely enjoy it, uh, and I think a lot of people who already kind of write fiction or things like that already love world building. So by all means, build a world if you want to. But that takes up so much time. Um, and so instead, uh, play your campaign in a world that already exists. Once again, I do want to get into this more intense later. But either pick one of the Dungeon Dragon worlds that already exists. Um, the main one is called the Forgotten Realms. Basically, all the lore info and monster stats that you find in any of the books they publish will be in the Forgotten Realms. Um, so there's tons of information on that. Literally, it's, it's, it's very simple. You can just find a map of it for free online. Find info on all the different places. All that kind of thing. Um, the Forgotten Realms is a very thoroughly fleshed out world. Specifically made to play Dungeons and Dragons in. Um, there's also tons of novels about stories within it. So um, that's a good idea. There's also other Dungeons and, official Dungeons and Dragons worlds. Like Eberron and uh, other things like that. Um, but even if you don't want to really do those, or you don't really know anything about that, and it's going to take, you know, a while to kind of get used to that or get into that world, choose something that you love. So, uh, if you're like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, play your campaign in Middle-earth, or play it in Westeros, or play it in the world of Aragon. Um, you can choose something you're already familiar with, or that won't take a lot of time to learn, and just familiarize, familiarize yourself with a world that someone else has built. Um, also, you don't need to fully memorize all the different locations and everything. Just have You can just have a map in front of you at all times and little notes on what each location is and just be one step ahead of the players, basically. If they're talking about, oh, okay, I think after we do this little adventure, we should travel over to that location, then... After that session is over and you go back to planning later that week or um, uh, later that day, you can just be like, okay, so they want to go to this location. Let me go look up some things about that, learn, read about it, mark some important things down. So I'll be ready when they go to that place. So that's all Master of World means. It's just to be familiar with the, the world and location. And it shouldn't be hard. Definitely if you already love um, or are a nerd of a, a certain genre or a certain world that already exists, um, but even if you're not, learning all that stuff won't take too long. And it can be really fun just kind of learning about the world. Once again, you just need to be one step ahead of the players. So, Master of Worlds, um, once again, by all means, create your own world if you want to. But it's also fine just to be, just to read about a world that already exists, play in that world. Uh, and just use that. So, Master of Adventures, that's the second role of a Dungeon Master, refers to... Uh, you kind of crafting the stories and the adventures and the quests and the dungeons um, that all the players go through or embark on. Now, 
if you've ever played the game Skyrim, uh, great game, uh, very famous video game. Um, basically, the game is a one-person RPG. It's quite similar to Dungeons and Dragons in the sense that you control a character who uh, gets more powerful, more powerful as time goes on, levels up, finds more powerful equipment, um, and you go on quests. Right? You get quests from certain people, and then you go on them. It's, okay, go kill this dragon, or go get this artifact, or go save these people. Uh, and so through those, you'll be traveling around the world, and then you pick up more quests. And the game is a little uh, saturated with quests. Um, basically, by third level in Skyrim, you're going to have thousands of side quests just filled up, just waiting for you to do. Uh, it's a little daunting. But basically, if you know anything about video game RPGs or... It's just the concept of you, you know, you're getting quests and you're going on the quest to complete it. Um, that's 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 a very simple uh, way to like describe it. But that is not all that Dungeons and Dragons is. Just going on quests and completing things, and as you do, you get level up and you get stronger. Um, also, it's different from Skyrim in the sense that you're doing it as a group and as a team, and you're all growing and learning and uh, fighting together. So that's 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 really cool. Because in Skyrim, you can't do that. But um, Adventures isn't just singular quests that you go on. It's also just the stories, uh, the people you meet. Uh, you'll soon see once you start playing and once you start DMing or by watching uh, some people Dungeon Master is that a lot of the stories can come from the characters' backstories, like the players. Uh, you know, after when they create the character, they're going to create a backstory for that. We'll definitely have a whole episode on that. Um, but... You can be pulling things from that to build an adventure out of. Um, and you can just be pulling things on. Maybe they meet a character in a town or whatever. And they give them like, oh, go save my daughter. They were taken by goblins or whatever. That's a little quest, right? So they go on that. And then they can build a relationship with this person. And then, you know, the, the, this NPC, this, this character that they've met. And then kind of maybe they join with them. Or maybe they have more problems. And... Uh, you know, it's not just tiny little quests that you're going on. Usually there's going to also be one main plot line. I will definitely get into uh, pre-planning for a campaign and creating, like, the big plot line and the uh, big bad uh, evil villain guy um, when you're starting out planning a campaign. But that is uh, kind of what you're doing, is you are, you know, creating these adventures, creating this story. Um, but, of course, you do not want to constrict the players to this story that you've, you know, planned or you've created. If they want to do something else or they want to change uh, the, the, the story or what they decide to do, that's completely up to them and you have to be open to that. Um, I do not want this episode to go too long getting into the nitty-gritty of Dungeon Mastering and the interaction with players and everything. But that is one thing to consider and to think about is when you're creating ventures or creating quests, right, planning for them and writing them out. Or, right, if you don't have time, just using something you found online, you're using one of the books, because uh, they have tons of adventures and quests in there for free, you just read through it. Um, the players might not do exactly what you think they're going to do, or go straight down the path that you're leading them down. They might take a different path, or choose a different way to complete things, and that may change things. And that is one of the best parts of the game. So just also be open to that, because it can lead to some really cool uh, things that are surprising to both the players and the dungeon master. Alright, and the third thing is Master of Rules. Now, this is probably the most daunting and scary for people and deters them the most. 
Master of Rules does not mean you have to memorize and know every single rule and every single monster stat block and all the abilities of all the classes and everything that a, a character can do. That is not at all what it means to be the Master of Rules. The Master of Rules uh, just means that you need to know at least the basic rules and that's it. Just so, typically the Dungeon Master is the person who has been playing the game the longest or you know has gotten their group into the game. And so people are going to be looking to the Dungeon Master for, you know, some help with, like, if they still are getting used to playing the game. So as long as you just know the base rules and you understand how the game works, you can you can just, like, say what happens. Also, you never have to follow the, the rules by heart. Uh, by the book, you can do whatever you want. Dungeons & Dragons is one of those games where you can literally do whatever you want. They can just be used as guidelines. You can change rules if you want or cut out rules if it's making the game too complicated. You can literally do whatever you want. Um, so, by all means, you don't have to memorize every single rule. There's books that you can just have on hand, or things, the internet, you can just look up a rule if you need to. Um, but also, I'd suggest, and this goes back to the screen, if there's a couple uh, rules or important things that the characters keep asking about, um, or that keep coming up that you're not fully concrete down on yet, Look up the answer to it and then write it down and then stick it onto the uh, screen so that, once again, if you if it comes up, you can just look right at the screen and know, okay, this is what I need to do if this comes up. That's what this rule means. That's what this means. Um, just so quick reference, you don't have to keep looking everything up in a book or online every time it comes up. Okay, so that's kind of a rundown of the Dungeon Master and the screen. Um, it's pretty simple. Of course, I will get into way more in depth into Dungeon Master and tips on doing it and how to cut down planning and how to make life easier for being a Dungeon Master because um, I've been DMing for three years, so I've, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've seen the good, the bad, and ugly, and I want to give you guys every, all the good things I've learned so you can avoid um, all the mistakes I made. But just in case you're wondering uh, maybe what the screen is or what the Dungeon Master is, uh, hopefully that kind of answers some of your questions and... You were able to find out, oh, okay, so that's what that Dungeon Master thing is that people are always talking about. Or that's what that screen does. I've always wondered. It looks kind of funny. Uh, does the Dungeon Master sound intriguing to you? Um, I 100% encourage you to go try it out, check it out. Um, being a Dungeon Master can be really, really fun and fulfilling. So, yeah, if you if any of the things I talked about were kind of sound interesting, like, hey, that would be fun to play in Westeros. I, I love Game of Thrones. Then... And you know, oh, I already know all about Game of Thrones. And I've had some ideas when I watched the show of like little adventures or stuff that I wish the characters went on. Well, I can, I bet I could incorporate that into my game. Um, and then, you know, whatever, if any of that sounds intriguing, um, go ahead and give it a try. Go look up uh, some people playing the game, see how Dungeon Masters function. Uh, you might know the name Matthew Mercer. If you don't, you will. Um, he's basically the most legendary Dungeon Master of all time, uh, he DMs for the show Critical Role, so go look up uh, Critical Role if you want, see, you know, watch how he Dungeon Masters, watch how he does it, uh, how it works, uh, maybe later on I'll be doing like a breakdown uh, segments and like breaking down the things that he's doing that are really good, um, but right now I just wanted to give a quick rundown what the screen is, what Dungeon Mastering is, so maybe you could familiarize yourself with the role and maybe even get interested in it. Thank mm -hmm. you.
Alright, you made it to the end of episode 3 behind the screen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a lot or I answered some of your questions. Uh, And I should be back on Monday um, with a more interesting uh, episode on the players. And I might even have a guest then. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Have a great weekend.